Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmaty, brought to you by lisatarmaty.com. You're listening to Pushing the Limits with Lisa Tarmaty. Today I have a guest, Tefatarangi Dixon from Rotorua, who is an amazing young man. He's a neurophysio, something I'm very interested in, um, but he is also... Uh, a victim of the Guillain-Barre syndrome. Very hard to say. We'll call it GBS. Now, this is a syndrome that's a rare disorder in which the body's immune system attacks its nerves. Weakness and tingling in the extremities are usually the first sort of symptoms. And this spread right throughout his body, and it can be fatal. And he was certainly in deep, dire trouble for many weeks in the hospital. And he shares his story today and his comeback journey. Um, It's a really interesting I'm very interested in people who have overcome the odds in comeback journeys for obvious reasons. Um, and I think this journey, this just journey that uh, Futz has been on um, is incredible. And the way he's tackled it and the way he's coped with it, he was uh, then gone on because of this to become a neurophysio. So he's used what was a terrible thing in his life to do something good. So it was a real honor to have him on the show. I just want to remind you before we go over and talk to Futz, that my book is now available on audio, it's available on ebook, on Amazon, uh, on my website, every which way you can get it now. Relentless, it's also in the bookshops. I had the greatest pleasure the other day when I walked finally into a shop and there was my book. So that was a pretty exciting moment. Um, after seven weeks in lockdown, it's finally out there. So if you're interested in getting that, the book is called Relentless and you can grab it on my book, uh, my website at lisatarmati.com. Right, now over the sh- to the show with... Dixon. Well, hi everyone. Welcome back to the show at Pushing the Limits. It's fantastic to have you back again. I am sitting with Tifatarangi Dixon all the way over in the Rotorua. How are you doing, mate? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Super excited you to have you on me. the show. <laughs> really cool. We've Good connected pleasure. through your father-in-law, who oh, yes. is a lovely man, Stephen, uh, who I spoke for. Uh, Great man. Yeah, he is a great man. He is a lovely man. And he just said, you've got to talk to my son-in-law. He's so interesting. And I thought, yes, he is very interesting. And I want him on my show. So today everyone's going to hear a little bit about Tafatarangi. And we're going to call him Fats from here on in. Um, and, and now, Tafatarangi is a, um, you're what you call a neurophysio. You're just, just qualifying right now, sort uh-huh. of in the midst of finishing things up and getting into a new career and job. Um but the reason, one of the reasons I want to, I want to talk to you about that, but I also want to talk to you about, um, you've got an inspiring comeback story. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, GBS? We, 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 you've had GBS twice and we've tried to uh, pronounce it before, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Yeah, Guillain-Barre <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. Something like that. Ugly so, word. Yeah, it's a very big word. So we'll call it GBS. And uh, can you explain what that is and your, your journey with this a little bit and a little bit who you are for starters? Yep. Um, okay. So um, my story basically starts from a little town called Tetekul. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm actually from and my family is. And I grew up half pretty much in the Bay of Plenty. Um, I think why people always think that my story is interesting is because um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, or GBS as we call it, is um, one in 100,000 people, I think, um, contract it. Well, so you're so special. It's a, yeah, so it's a neurological <laughs> condition, and then um, it basically attacks your, your peripheral nervous system. So it's quite similar to how I kind of describe it to people um, to fully understand, but getting into the technical kind of terms of things yeah. is it's similar to MS, Mm-hmm. Um, MS attacks your central nervous system, however, and GBS attacks your peripheral nervous system. Wow. Okay, that's a really good um, analogy because people get what that is. Yeah. So they can present kind of similar, but um, there are differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a strain called AMSAM, which is um, which attacks basically your your motor neurons and your sensory um, neurons. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have different strains which attack just primarily your motor neurons or your sensory or um, I think you've got five different strands. I'm not, I can't remember specifically about each one, but. Yep, um, you had those two. Yeah, I had AMSAN. So I took, it attacked my motor neurons and my, and my sensory neurons, but the potential for it to recover is higher uh-huh. um, because you have a special cell called Schwann cells in your peripheral nervous system and they uh-huh. can regenerate over time. So uh-huh. that's why if you have, if I wouldn't wish it on upon anybody, but basically 
Um, if you had GBS, you're like you and you and you were able to stop it from progressing to possibly even you know people have it can be fatal. Wow. Um, but if you if the interventions from in hospital are um, are placed on you, I think within three to four weeks until you start until GBS starts to kind of overtake your body, you're you're likely to recovering this quite high. Wow. Um, okay. But yeah. post four weeks, and you haven't had an intervention with um, they call immunoglobulin therapy or plasma um, thesis, where they basically take uh, your white blood cells and replace it with others. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so basically, your your possible your your ability to recover is a lot is higher it? with your peripheral nervous system because your central nervous system are made out of oligodendrites, and that's what they make up. Are and once they're damaged, they don't repair. Wow. So okay. if you think about a motorway system, once you've got a... It's your major... A, it's so your major highway. Yeah, so if one, if one road's road. basically destroyed, it'll never be recovered. You'll be able to actually try and tap into other areas and go off-road yeah. and then come back on. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. But once you've kind of destroyed that part of the road, it will never recover. Wow. Whereas Guillain-Barre syndrome, once that Schwann cell is basically damaged if they're forced to be fully damaged its ability to, to re- regenerate um is higher it's higher so swan is in this is in the bird swan yeah so spelt swan so sc sch yeah okay so that's a german word for swan yeah um okay so so you how did it um manifest itself in your body so you've got the luckily not the central nervous system one, but more the peripheral. Mm-hmm. How did that sort of manifest, and what were the symptoms? Okay, so for me in 2014, um, mine started off. Oh, the thing is, they don't actually fully understand why it happened, or like what actually causes causes so it. Bacteria, virus, we don't. Yeah, but they understand know. what happens to you once it starts, once it once it begins to, to happen. So for me. Um, how they described it was I, I, I basically got a gastrointestine bug um, basically a month before GBS kind of started to, uh-huh. um, to so could have been related take over my body yeah so yep. what they what they perceive is what happens it's an autoimmune disease so um, uh-huh. I had this gastrointestine infection and I recovered from that but however what happens so as you as you obviously when you get sick you build up your immune mm. cell or your immune system starts to kick in and you build um antibodies. killer t cells eventually yep. so you have your b cells yep. to get your killer t cells and then eventually you'll have recessive t cells to actually kill to die down the killer t cells because they've already destroyed the bug yep what's happened is in my immune system my recessive t cells to to actually um hinder and stop the killer t cells from from producing and actually start to you know generate around the body Yep. They didn't produce. They didn't actually start. They didn't kick in. So your they immune didn't system. Kick in. So my immune system had all these killer T cells floating wow. around. Um, and then I then obviously then I just got another random cold bug about a month later. <clears throat> and because yeah, these killer T cells still floating around in my body. Yeah, it just went out. I'm, I'm talking in kind of late terms ways to help yeah, yeah. fully understand. Yeah, um, it's important. <laughs> Yeah, and so basically, what's happened is my immune cell or my immune system has decided to. They've got this new bug. These killer T cells are floating around. Have no idea what to do with this new bug, and all of a sudden, have started to just manipulate itself and then attach and attack my my peripheral nervous system. So yeah, in my so front cells. Sort of a classic autoimmune uh, shoot all the goodies and the baddies at the same time. Yeah. So response. My my immune system starts to attack my own body. Yep. Essentially. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and and so we, you, you don't like, you don't know whether it's come from those uh, that you know that that gastrointestinal thing or not, but quite likely that yeah. you know that's caused it and caused this reaction in the body. Yeah, um, and obviously when you when you're sick, obviously you get increased inflammation, which means it increases your immune system. Yeah, and then so it just it just hits you like a like a like as if you're standing in front of a train. And, um, yeah, yeah. So basically how mine started was I just started getting pins and needles in, in my peripheral, or like basically mm. in my hands and my feet. Yeah. Um, and that slowly kind of, I started basically just getting pins and needles and it started gradually kind of coming up my arm, up my legs. Whoa. Um, and then I started losing. So the, my sensory kind of went, went away first. So um, I started losing sensation. And then basically, as it came up through my through my feet and into my ankles, 
we have a thing called proprioception. Yeah. Um, and that basically tells it helps you understand, joints understand yeah. where you are in relation to space. Yes. Um, yep. And that started to, to dissipate and actually kind of disappear for me. Yeah. And so I started losing balance. Yep. There wasn't anything wrong with my brain. It's just that I couldn't get the right signals from my from feet. From the feet and from, from the bearing, and... From my weight-bearing joints to my brain wow. to understand and tell my body where I was. I, I had that um, with mum, but from a brain injury. Yeah. And so she didn't know who she was or where she stopped and where the world started. Yeah, you know, yeah your she, spatial awareness goes, it's goes hard, in and out. It's hard to explain very, that to people what that is. It's very hard to explain. Yeah. yeah. So this all just started happening. Um, I don't know why, why it was happening. It just kind of just randomly came on. Um, so I started losing sensation and then eventually started losing weakness in my hands. And I, I just knew something was wrong. I went to the doctor's um the first time when I started getting pins and needles, yep, um, actually sent me to a physio, <laughs> thinking <laughs> that I just that guy had some nerve. form of nerve issue in my lower back or, or something, yeah, because um, at the time I did, I had an I had an injury in my lower back, yep. Um, so he sent me there. Basically, nothing happened. Um, a week later, started getting worse. Went back to my GP. He didn't. He didn't know what was happening. Obviously, because his GP and had you know had I had signs of symptoms that kind of led on to possibly being meningitis yeah. as well. Yeah. So he yep. sent me into he sent me into hospital straight away. Basically, after their next visit. So this oh, is two, this is two weeks after it sort of started happening. Shoot. Um, and obviously, because he sent me in, um, diagnosed me possibly with a with a hypothesis of possi- possibly meningitis. Yeah. I was treated for meningitis when I got there. Ah. So and I it went wasn't- in. It wasn't. It wasn't. So I went in, um, had my spinal tap. Yeah. You would do spinal tap generally for meningitis and GBS because they do present quite similar. Yeah. If they if they think so, they're trying to cross all the cross all the T's. Um, Went in and then as actually when I went into hospital, I started getting huge migraines. Oh. So I was getting migraines and I was getting photophobia. Um, So Mm -hmm. I couldn't actually open my eyes. The light would just penetrate and just give me huge headaches. Um, so I went and was presenting with, you know, and that's even another sign of possibly meningitis, having photophobia yeah. and, and migraines. I, however, I didn't have a rash, so that was, a, that was only probably one real symptom that you usually would get for meningitis. So I went and had my spinal tap done, went for a CT scan, um, and then I was isolated, basically, because if I had meningitis, I, I could possibly yeah. spread it out. <clears throat> At this point, they still didn't know what I actually had. Um, they were just going on, um, you know, the signs and symptoms. I mean, possibly heavy meningitis, hence yeah. the isolation, hence the spinal tap and CT scans. Yep. Um, Carry on. Mum's ringing in the middle of the podcast. Oh, you're good. She always does this. Everybody who listens to the podcast knows there's a, there's a, there's a weekly ring from Ma. <laughs> so carry on, mate. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then I was in there for a week. Um, nothing basically improved. So all the um, all the drugs that they're given me throughout the time to help me try and beat meningitis weren't working. I was getting worse, and I started losing. What I didn't realize was that I was actually getting really weak. Yeah, but I couldn't actually convey that to them because I started getting, you know, I, I started losing my my. I couldn't breathe, and I started. Oh, wow. I, I had to be on a ventilation. I was in just so much pain, so I started getting hypersensitivity. So. Basically, cold felt like hot, hot felt like cold. Oh. Things, a pillow felt like a weight a ton. Um, I felt like I was kind of driving into a, into the bed. So oh, when I was awful. just lying in the bed, I felt like I was getting pulled down by gravity. Thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of your senses and all of your yeah, things so in your I just, brain it just went out of whack. So once you have nerve irritation or anything kind of going out of whack, you everything just becomes imbalanced, and like your brain cannot understand or what, and it's trying to rebalance itself. And in that process, it's kind of Having it's actually been detrimental to your to your ability to kind of actually understand of the world. So you just because everything. So basically, if you're you need to bombard your nerves to actually understand, you know, um, touch, smells, like every sort of sensation that you can basically think of. We take that for granted so much, eh? That we we, do. We know that this is yeah. Something's yeah, touching so, my right hand or I'm burning yeah. my left hand or yeah. Um, and then basically third weekend. Um, I had an MRI and then the neurologist was actually away at the time. So the neurologist said there was actually from, I was in Tauranga Hospital for this. Um, he was away overseas on a, on a um, sabbatical at another hospital. Um, and so the, the, a neurologist from Palmerston North was coming up 
two or three times a week. Yep. Um, so he came up and he basically, um, once they, once they basically thought this is a meningitis, we like, and I started and I had a, I had a, my sister-in-law actually found a possible link to being something more neurological because I had this window of opportunity where I actually felt, you know, everything kind of normal a little bit for, for a time. And I asked Lane to kind of do some, do some assessments on me. Who's my sister-in-law. She's yeah. now registered now at um, Auckland hospital. Wow. Um, and she just, she was a fifth year medical student at the time. Yep. And she just done some assessments on me and she felt my reflexes weren't there. I couldn't, my sensation was, was basically gone. Yep. And she just went straight to, straight to my consultant. My consultant got the neurologist to come in. The neurologist basically looked at me straight away and he knew straight away that I had GBS. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how he right. just, Gosh. So basically, I, was straight into, I went straight into <laughs> HDU. Um, I was doing spirometry to actually check how my lung capacity was going. Yeah. Um, this at the time, I was still having migraines. Um, they um, organized for me to go for an MRI uh, just to see what's happening in my body information-wise. Um, and all of my, you know, all of my CRP scans were, were just through the roof. Uh, white blood cell counts were through the roof. Yeah, so they knew um, that your your um, they knew immune I was system, sick, but they couldn't. They didn't know what didn't was happening. It. Um, and obviously, because it's so rare, um, yeah. you know, you come you come across it every I don't know once or twice. once in your lifetime, maybe yeah, as a doctor. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, okay, so now you're you're in there. They finally worked out that it is this thing. Yep. What sort of a battle did you have on your hands then? Um, I was in the battle basically to try and save my life. Wow. So it was um, really yeah. Yeah, so uh, my my basically my my lungs started to shut down. Um, oh. I, I immediately went down to about fifty percent capacity as soon as I went into HDU. Um, I was intubated um, with mechanical ventilation. Um, so the full Monty, and you're yeah, still conscious. Monty, still conscious. So my brain's still there, and I'm just getting migraines and stuff. So I could still kind of I'm, I could feel like you know nothing's happening mentally. It's all just in my physical body. Oh, so geez. everything is shutting down. Um, I can't move. Um, I started I like basically I lost all control of you know my bowels and whatnot as well. Yeah, so there was yeah, yeah. You know, like dependency yeah, wise, it was just it just everything went away. Um, so like a massive brain damage. Yeah, effectively not, you think something's happening there. to the brain, but it's just I'm not there. In. It's just my 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 peripheral nervous system is shutting down. Wow. Um, so this How is the three. This is, uh, I was twenty three. Wow, I was twenty three. Um, at the start of two thousand and fourteen, and yeah, so that that all happened. I was intubated, and they basically started me on what they call immunoglobulin therapy, which is basically other people's antibodies. Uh-huh. Um, so, and that's about fifteen hundred dollars a. A bottle, and yeah. I had about I don't know. I think it was a course over over five days, three bottles a day. Um, wow! So, so three times trying three to get rid of five. yours and overpower it with with normal, yeah, white blood cells. Yeah. So yeah. trying to yeah, basically trying to combat my immune system. So they're <laughs> pumping in you know what white blood cells from other from basically it's basically blood transfusion into my body to basically, it can't stop GBS. It can only slow, slow the progress of it. Yep. So like I said before, you know, there's that four-week kind of, there's that month. Yeah, window. You need to kind of that month window to try and stop it. To get this um, immunoglobulin. You know, possibly from being a fatal condition. So I was in the third week, halfway through the third week, so they just got it in. Wow. And, you know, I already got to the stage where I'd basically I was a vegetable. Um, and basically <sighs> I was just trying to save my life. So, yeah. I was intubated, had immunoglobulin stuck to a wall, hours, days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was in the hospital for about three months. Three months. Um, in ICU for about a month and a half. Um, and then I went up to just the general ward. So wow. it was amazing. So once the immunoglobulin is here, it's just a waiting game. You can't really, you can't do so much. There's nothing it's else they can do. It's nothing else you can no- do. You're just, what, you're just hoping it. that, you know, me being a fit young kind no, of 23 year old at the yeah. time. It was going to kind of that was going to be an advantage to me, yes. which you know, thankfully it was. It was, yeah. Um, and it's very rare for someone under the age of basically fifty, to um, get, 40, yeah. 40, 50 to get GBS. Wow. Um, 
because your, your, so your immune that's system that was... would, have you got you know like I, I love diving into the body do, do you think you have a predisposition to immune an overreactive immune system have you ever thought about functional genomics and doing some testing along that lines to see what yeah i've always thought that i've always thought about looking at um basically my dna because um but you know when i look at my family look at my look at my family but i look at my family history i've got none of that in my family though i've got no kind of history of a neurological condition we've we've got a you know quite a the only thing we probably have in my family is alzheimer's Okay. So we don't have cancer in our family. We don't have, um, we don't have, you know, really, um, what do you call it, um, systemic kind of conditions. You know, not many of my family have died of heart attacks. I think one. Yeah. Um, no thyroid. No, no autoimmune. No autoimmune. We've got type two diabetes, but that's not genetic. That's just you know your modifiable risk factors that you can change. Yes, um, well, there is g- genetic factors oh, there is in genetic, there as well. Genetic predispositions. Yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. interesting. I mean, I'm just fascinated by functional genomics and looking at understanding yeah, why too. your immune system would kick into overdrive and, and mm. actually cause, and is, is this likely to happen again? Not GBS. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, for other immune responses now here on in. Yeah, um, I'd definitely be interested in looking at yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a field be, of research that we can um, yeah really well i'm working with the the dna company and i've had dr mansour on this so uh they've just opened their labs up again and it will be um a few months before i'm qualified but um can definitely uh connect you there <laughs> mm. <laughs> if you want to have a look at that just to, i mean it's i think it's um something that everybody should do once in their life anyway because oh, you I, know I, what I your dna so. is yeah, yeah it's fantastic to understand it can definitely know. help you plan and prepare for your future too it, yes. exactly not realistically, but just yeah yeah, yeah. Preparation. But just preparation wise you know you'll to, to understand what's happened, like, you know, what could possibly happen for you and what, you know, yeah, things what you can change it, what you can change in regards to modifying your lifestyle to be able to, you know, exactly. guide you in the right way and enjoy, a, enjoy your, you know, your quality of life to the full extent. And even like, like things like, and this is getting a bit off topic, but, you know, what medications you might interact with in a, in a bad way or, you know, what your detox pathways are like. So do you need to be super vigilant when it comes to um, outside toxins, that type of thing, you know, or yeah. your hormone pathways or, or everything like that is involved. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty uh, good information to have. Is is mm. like, I reckon it should be like passport. So you have it, you know it. And then yeah. you you take the interventions to stop problems. But back back to, you, to your story. So um, you you you're fighting for your life now, and you you you've, you've gotten through that, that that really bad horrific stage. Yeah. How were you mentally coping with this as a 23 year old when you started to come back to life, if you like? What you'd been through this traumatic, horrific experience. How have you dealt with that? Um, you know, I probably. I'm a very optimistic person, just per, like as a per, my personality, I have a very optimistic outlook and just in life in general. Yep. Um, it was really tough. So it did challenge me a lot. Um, I wish I knew my wife back then. Yeah, it would have been easier. You <laughs> it would have definitely been easier. Um, you know, just being, yeah, being 23, and I'm very much a mum, mama's boy. You know, yeah. I, I'll admit that. <laughs> Absolutely, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, and my mum at the time, um, you know, after raising my brother, my sister, and I, mm-hmm. um, her entire life um, as yep. a single mother. Wow. Um, hats off. <laughs> yeah, hats off to her. Oh, you know, I, I owe a lot of a lot of things in life. Yeah. Um, well, that's no, it. It'll take um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> She was in Spain, so she decided, you know, how good all of us have all grown up. We're living our lives. Um, we're starting our new careers and, you know, looking, you know, uh, pushing on in our own adult lives. She took this opportunity, you know, to actually just enjoy this and go off on a random sabbatical for six, seven months over in Spain. Yep. Left my, left my stepdad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor <laughs> left my stepdad home. He just she said, I'm going to Spain. I'm going to go off and have See a holiday. <laughs> and she was basically two months in. Um, oh, wow. Into a trip happens. over there, and then this happened. Oh, great! Um, you wrecked you mum's know. trip as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I tried. We rang basically nearly every. Tried to ring every night um, through. Um, oh, I used to be called Viber. You know, the, the yep. original kind of. Yep. 
communication. I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I basically said to her every single time, as hard as it was to me just to say on the phone, was, you know, I said, I kept on saying to her, Mum, don't come back. I'm going to beat this. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to die as, as much as I probably cried a lot of the time thinking that I was going to die. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hell yeah. Um, yeah, How so is I, that to face your own mortality, though? I mean, at that ridiculously young age, um, you know, like how do you, how do you see that now? What's your relationship with it now? If, I mean, it's a pretty hard thing to bloody. Um, it is. It's. Um, I think I look at it more as I, I don't ever look at it as a as a fear concept. I probably look at it as a as an opportunity to kind of. Like I said, like before we even started the podcast, it's just an opportunity to actually still learn. Even though, even though I was going through this, it was like, you know, I can if, if I get through this, what am I going to learn from this? Yeah, yeah. So that's how I actually probably got me through a lot of it. Was you know, I'm not going to let this beat me. So what can I do with my my life if I, you know, not not if I was going to? It's like it was basically I was trying to tell myself that I wasn't going to, but you know, facing facing that possible. Um, yeah, my, my mortality. Yeah, it was. I I did have, I had my down moments. Um, yeah, you know, you, sometimes you're probably just thinking about wanting just to give up because it was just so. Um, it was quite hard, and you so know, seeing my seeing my family, my fam, my family just. Um, and probably because definitely being you know my Maori being from a Maori family, my and my mum overseas, I always had someone next to me, so. Yeah. My my aunties, my uncles, my brothers, my sisters, my dad, they all kind of took kind of, um, their time out of their days to kind of one at a time go on a roster and just be there 24-7 yeah. basically with Wonderful. me. Wonderful. Isn't it so important to have that support? Yeah. And, you know, like I'm a big, I'm a very holistic kind of person and being from Māori background, we have a thing called, oh, you know, like mana. Yeah. So mana can Absolutely. be instilled basically in anything. So a person, an object or, you know, any inanimate kind of thing um but by them being there they're actually projecting their mana onto me if that makes sense absolutely makes sense um you know if i didn't have them i don't know if i would even be here um being beside your loved ones and having walking with them in their dark times is just so 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 crucial like it just can't be over a very family orientated person so yeah Tell that, um, <laughs> and you got a good one, good family. Yeah, so that's so. If I didn't have them beside me. I don't think I definitely would not have probably made it on my yeah. own. Yeah. Um, because they were actually my, they were my motivation to actually you know, fight get and fight. Because you need to fight, eh? You need yeah. to fight when you're in deep, deep trouble, and to find that fight when you're in pain and and, yeah. and terror and fear and all the rest of it. And the reason probably why I say I wish I had my wife at that time is because she's actually given me that strength and power to actually understand what self-reflection is. Yes. But I never actually fully understood it and she comprehended it. So I was obviously me being a 20, young 23-year-old, I used to yeah. just think of the physical aspects of life. Yeah. Um, and I never really considered, you know, how impactful the mental side of things, the emotional side of things and the spiritual kind of side of things. And mm. But it's actually what she really helped me with is actually trying to understand who my, what my identity is. Wow. So, I wish I because if I had that back then as well, you know, I definitely would um, fully understand and actually I would have been in a hell of a lot better position to actually get through without ever even thinking or considering those kind of things. Yeah, I would consider and think about them, but I wouldn't have, I would, it wouldn't, you know, consume me. Yep, yep. Um, if that makes sense. So I, I'm yep. a big believer, and mm. if you have a strong identity, even cultural identity, if you understand who you are. Yeah, um, it gets you through. So, yeah. and that's you know being honest to yourself, being um, even honest to others, um, and just taking it one step at a time. You know, you, it's not going to. You need to fully appreciate, and understand that sometimes you do need that time to just kind of look at yourself and understand who you are. Because um, if you don't, then you struggle. So this has brought you wisdom beyond your years, really, hasn't it? Yeah. But this is, well, that's um, my big yeah. Thing, I guess. So okay, so so you you're in the rehab now for over a year, hmm. trying to come back from this thing. And what was that battle like? Like, was it like coming back from a stroke or an, or a brain injury? Was it like that now? Um, 
yeah so basically it was really weird so for me i actually quite enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> well i suppose you were at least up uh, yeah so no, it was, um, obviously obviously through through um I, I enjoyed the rehab but the time that i was in the hospital that was the tough part so yeah it wasn't until i probably got past that that realization that point where i knew i wasn't going to die yeah Basically, once that once their fear of my own mortality had surpassed, I was, you know, basically that basically told me I was like I've, I've been in it, and now all I have to do is put the work in, yep. to be able to get myself from where yep. I am right now, being dependent, and now becoming, you know, my independent self again. Wow! So you were like, um, I'm still alive, so I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't don't was, think that I'm going to fight like crazy to get back. It was. So wow. I never looked at it as being, you know. I never looked at myself as being disabled ever. Yeah. Well, wow. maybe sometimes I maybe should have because I know I probably pushed a lot of um, stress and and you know um, harm on my family when I was going through it that first time because I you know obviously I, I think we forgot to mention that I got this last year as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is what we got to get to yet. Um, yeah. yeah hang on. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that, you know, I wish I probably um, was able to be honest. That's why I say, you know, on, on basically yeah. be honest with my family um, going through the last time because I know how stressful it was for them to kind of see me in that position. Yeah. And all they wanted to do was just help me. Yeah. And, all I, and all I would do was just kind of internalize and just keep it in myself and say, no, I just want to own this and do it myself. Right. Um, but, you know, that was a very selfish thing. Like when I look back on it, it's a very selfish approach that I had on it, even though I know that got me through it. But that's because I was only ever thinking about the physical side of things. Still, yeah, yeah, um, yeah because you were young and, and not sort Yeah, of I was young. And, you know, the... for me being a 23-year-old, you know, the physical side of life was very, yeah. very important for us. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, and being a man, you know, your masculinity gets challenged. Totally. Um, and it was very, very um, hard to kind of get through that without ever feeling like I was burdening my family. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, and that way when I look at it now, I, that was the wrong approach. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so basically once I got past that point, that, that's past that point that I wasn't going to be, that I wasn't going to die, um, I was in hospital until basically I was, um, I, I wasn't, had, I took out the mechanical ventilation. Yep. And I started doing some form of physiotherapy in the hospital. And mm -hmm. then they had organised me to go to a place called Laura Ferguson. Yes, I know. They um, tried to get mum in there. Couldn't get her in. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I got, I don't know where I got my funding from. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> basically, I got, a, I got a, a poof started nowhere and then I was off to Laura Ferguson. So I was three months in hospital. Um, and my rehab basically consisted of... Um, a lot of it was orientated around my goals and what I wanted to reach back to. Um, however, when I read what I really enjoyed about Laura Ferguson, it's basically like a campus. Yep. So it's a rehabilitation campus and it's awesome. for people that are under the age of 60. So it's not a, it's not a retirement village. It's actually for people that want to be, go be there yep. long-term. They had some of them that do have long-term conditions um, and some of them terminal um, to a certain extent, but they're all there for the purpose of wanting to try and get better. Love that. I love um, that. Yeah. I did try to get my mum in there. She was too old to get there and we couldn't get funding and so on. Yeah. But it did feel like a place where you were going to actually do something because yeah. I must say, and you're, you're a neurophysio now, so we'll get to that shortly. But I must say the um, physio care that we had in the hospital was nothing short of atrocious. Yeah. I could have done it in my sleep. I think they went there to eat their lunch. Mm. <laughs> and it's pretty harsh. But, um, that's that's how I felt, and it's it's really hard when I think about that because they are quite um, restricted. Yeah, uh, very. And a lot of what they can provide, you know, me being like going through placements and whatnot as well in hospitals, they all want to change um, how they approach things in the hospital. That's why they're trying to implement, you know, um, rehabilitation gyms and whatnot there as well to get more involved. But at the same time, it's really tough because the system is, the system is built around, you know, you, you've got so many patients that you have to see on a ward and yeah. you've got, what, 10, 20, 30, 30 minutes at the max with them at each yeah. given and time. And I, I must say, I must, I must re re repair with what I just said. The ones that were, came around to us on the ward during the acute phase were lovely, awesome. Yeah. 
when we were later put into the rehab with mum, um, I fought to get her back into the system to get, you know, because they said at the beginning she's not, never going to do anything again. We're not going to bother, basically. Yeah. And I fought, and after a year I got her back in for two times a week, and that was atrocious. Mm. Um, and I, I, it felt like a box-ticking exercise. The yeah. ones on the ward were different. They were very passionate and really, really wanting to help. So, and, and this is no indictment on any one person or thing, but there was a systemic problem. Mm. There is a systemic problem with the way that the the, the the things are run, at least in our in our hospital, um, and the way that you are judged. I remember, uh, and I don't want to take over the interview, but uh, six weeks she had as a block of two times a week and honestly what she would do in that six weeks I would have done in a day with her um the tests that they tried to put her through she was intimidated she felt like a schoolgirl, so she was not interacting with them um because they were very judging her all the time whether she should continue in the program and at the very end of the program they had a big panel where they all came in to decide your fate whether you'd be considered to to continue in the program and they they talked to me not to her who's sitting next to them and um says she's below the level of the worst dementia patient we've ever seen you know she's never going to do anything and this is a waste of time and I turned to my mum and I said well how does that make you feel mum and she said you know well I was feeling quite empowered until I came in here now I feel totally you know down and they just looked at me and their jaws dropped because they'd never heard her speak because oh. they had never spoken to her as a intelligent as a person. person. And so she hadn't responded because she was intimidated yeah. by the medical setting. And I knew that she was in there and I knew she had a, you know, stuff going on and she was intelligent and she was coming back. Yeah. I believed in her and I just said to them, you can stick your program up here somewhere and I'm going to bring my mum back. And, and I did from that point on, I was like, right, there is no help. I will go and do this all myself. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, you know, that's, that's just the, the, that particular bunch of people in one particular place. And that's not an indictment on them all, but um, mm. that was, that was quite sad. And then I had a wonderful neurophysio. So let's get on to your neurophysio because you've gone down this path now yeah. after going through this. Was that the reason that you went and studied neurophysiology or physiotherapy? Yeah. It definitely swung my uh, my decision to go that way. Yeah, it wasn't actually through. So I I had an amazing neurophysio when I went when I was at Laura Ferguson, yep. and she was the reason why I decided to wow to go down this path. So, cool. Um, you know, it was just she just knew how to push me in the right ways, and I wanted to do that for other people. And even when I was at Laura Ferguson, I met so many amazing, you know, people that never asked the. You know, to have a stroke, to have no. MS, to have um, Huntington's disease, to have Parkinson's, you know, they never, never, they never asked for that. And just to be able to have, um, it's just a, you know, the, the, the thing I think about the most is people, there's dependent, you know, if you if you lose your independence, I feel that's the huge, like the biggest oh, thing, hard. like as a human, you don't yeah. really like it. It's, it's that old cliche of, you know, you don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah. Um, and so basically to help somebody that is dependent become independent again, yeah. that's the most rewarding thing that I could even think of from, a, from, for me. Absolutely agree um, with you. <laughs> yeah. so when I, when people ask me why I wanted to become a physio, I say there's three things. So one is I knew I always wanted to help people and from a health perspective. And originally I actually wanted to become a, a doctor and do medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that led on to that leads on to my second reason is the reason why I chose to do physio, and that's purely because I probably had Heather Heather Gordon. She is amazing. I, I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna throw her name out there because she is yeah. amazing. Um, Thanks, Heather. <laughs> the, um, she made me understand that being a physiotherapist, you just were able to have um, and this just this natural and therapeutic relationship that you just can't have as a doctor. Yeah. As you know. As an allied health profession, um, your ability to be able to have this real deep connection with with your patients was like, that's the reason why I really got back to where I am today. Wow. uh, Physically. Love that. Because of that. So 
I'm what, you I'm had a, the I'm time very, to, yeah, to I'm invest in pe- you. Yeah, I'm a very people person. So um, having that intensive kind of um, relationship with each other collectively, you know, having that shared goal of kind of getting to that to that same to that shared um, place where they want to that they want to achieve is, you know, it's second to none. It's a bond for life, really, isn't yeah. it? I can see how much you love and respect what she did for you and, yeah. and how much that means. And, so and that's this why is, it swung me to becoming a physiotherapist wow. rather than a doctor. The complete opposite um, of, you know, I had a uh, neurophysio too who came to yeah. our house afterwards and he was wonderful. Yeah. You know, he gave me the belief that we could do this. He gave me the, the, the basic tools so that I could work every day with her because I couldn't afford, obviously, everything. But he gave me the information that I could then put that into practice on a day by day by day basis. A lot of it is really common sense. It's just being able to apply it in the right way. Mm. Um, And And being able to break movements down. How do you teach someone to. I specifically look at it in three ways. You know, neurophysio, as I think of it, is you've got function, strategy, and impairment. That's basically, that's that's like my go to for anything, basically. So, you know, what you want to achieve is function. You have strategies to achieve that function, and then but you have an impairment which affects the strategy to be able to perform the function. Yes, yep. So obviously the goal is function, but what you have to do is specifically try and work on the impairment, and then effectively your strategy should try and improve, and then you'll start. That's how you progress to the next kind of thing, and then then essentially what happens is you'll be able to perform that function again. Yep. So it's like a so gross that, or like I'm trying to simplify it, but that's how I try and approach things. Yeah. No, that so, makes absolute sense to me. Yeah. It's yeah. like three three steps. Um yeah. and there's a variety of ways of how you can um um integrate your, your treatment methods. So there's a variety of treatment methods that you can use, but that's the ultimate that's the that's the basis of it that I run by. Wow, I'm gonna bring um, mum up to see you one day. Uh, Get some tips. <laughs> What's the next thing I can do with it? <laughs> yeah. So then, basically, when I finished, when I recovered, I decided to become a physiotherapist. Um, wow. So I enrolled into AET um, and started in 2016. Um, obviously, because I couldn't do it because 2015 it had already started because I yep. recovered in February, and I just kind of wanted to give myself that other actual year where I just worked um, yep. and just. I wanted to, to actually get back to normality and then I decided to go on, on the intake in 2016. Um, and AET is, um, you know, I'm going to, I should be, an, I should be an advertisement for them or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were good. But, yeah, they're amazing. So I loved it. I loved um, being a part of that. Um, the university, like they've, the way our lecturers were, they all came from a clinical experience. They weren't, they weren't heavily based on the theory. So, yep. you know, they, they basically, they, they pushed down our throats to be able to have a clinical reasoning and, you know, be able to think on our feet as practitioners nice. and, and as clinicians. Yep. They want us to be clinicians. They want, they don't want us to be lab. bookworms and lab, yep. you know, lab, lab dudes. Kind of things yep. and lab <laughs> dudes and just writing research things out all the time. Yes. Because at the end of the day, you know, our, we're providing a, a, a service and we want it to be um, based around um, real good quality service, not just, you exactly. know, anyone go on to Google and find out exactly. what this is and yeah. do this. You know, anyone can do that. We wanted to be able to, so they really um, enforced their kind of encar- and encouraged that, that type of learning. So it was very practical. Yep. Um, and I'm a very practical kind of person. Um, and it's really weird, you know, obviously when I was going through my rehab in 2014 and then learning uh, and become and basically um, going through my physiotherapy degree, I look back on when I was doing my rehab and then I could see all the little tricks that Heather used to do with me. Uh. <laughs> used to make, you create these games. So as a neurophysio, you, you create like these games and really it's actually, the ob- it's an objective measure for them. So I didn't really realize that it was actually like a, an, yeah, actual an actual thing. <laughs> You're being tested. Test. She's, she's testing me, but I didn't know that. Wow. It's like little things. Clever. Like we've got the nine or big peg test. You know, I thought it was just to help me with like picking up things and putting them in. Um, but secretly she had been timing me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. She, yeah, she had made it basically. Um, she made a lot of things because I'm very sport. I love my sports. So she made a lot of things into games like playing the Wii. 
um, you know, you just you can be as creative as you like as a neurophysiologist just to get that function back. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you learn you learn basically all the main three, which is cardio, musculoskeletal, and neuro. Um, you always remember the principles of all three. Um, however, effectively, when you come out of uni, you kind of decide we really want to kind of yep drop down or like basically um, dig down and. Down and so yeah. I obviously, obviously, mine is obviously neuro. I do have MSK and I, I do like that as well. Um, and most people do do musculoskeletal, yeah. that's like your normal sport physio, everybody, yep, everybody knows about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my interest is always possibly always going to be neuro, just purely from an empathetic point of view. Yeah, and having been reward, on the inside, that rewarding, that rewarding <laughs> feeling of being able to help someone get from A to B and just being a part of their journey with them. Yeah. Never ever wanted to be accredited with any of the, you know, them getting there. It's because it's all them. Yeah. It's just being able to share their journey with them. Um, yeah, but uh, it's amazing to be able to, to provide that 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 framework for people to to learn from and to grow yeah. from. And um, so I, I just want to like we'll wrap up in a few minutes. But I, I want you 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 got this again. Yes. You went through this whole thing again in January this year. No, no, no. no <laughs> or, or when August. did it start? August last August two thousand and nineteen. So I was the special one uh, percent of the entire world um, to get GBS twice. Wow, uh, that's insane! Eh? Super, super um, unlucky. Yeah. So, <laughs> but this time I had my wife. Yes, <laughs> and, and you had your father-in-law. Yeah, so, <laughs> your mother's um, father-in-law. You know, I can never be um, grateful and thankful enough for them because. Mm. Um, this time, at least, we knew like what we were dealing with, and we could so get straight in. You know, yep. with mastery and stuff, it was just a lot. It was still very tough, and I still kind of, you know, internalized a lot of things, and you know, did that same thing that I did last time when I kind of pound myself in with regards to my, you know, challenging my masculinity and keeping things internalized and trying to get through it myself instead of kind of feeling like I'm burdening everyone else with what's yeah. going on with me. But yep. you know. Claire and Stephen definitely helped me get through that. And I should apologise to my wife because I know it's probably very, very, very tough on her. Um, <laughs> or anyone you love, when you're going through hard times, you're always going to have moments where you didn't do what you wanted to do when you look back afterwards. I mean, I've had times like with mum where I've been like afterwards gone, oh, shit, that wasn't good behaviour, you know, on my behalf. And or you think, oof, you know. But you're just in a desperate state of exhaustion and fatigue and the grind of it all, and you did things that you're not so proud of now, yeah. you know, in my case, where you think, you know, where you've yelled at her for something or, you know, just gotten <laughs> frustrated and gone, oh, for goodness sake, you know, and then you're like... That's, yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. So this, this time, as, as much as it was um, this time around, it was amazing. Um, Effectively, Stephen was my Heather Gordon this time. Yes. Um, so you know, we went we went to the pools basically three times a week, and we went into the hospital gym twice a week. Awesome. Um, and he was the one basically taking me through all of um, my exercises and whatnot. And you know, Claire had to obviously go to work every day. Um, but at, at the end of the day, she's like my biggest inspiration, the person that I aspire to be like. Because she knows who she is. Yeah, I love her. Um, she sounds awesome. Got to meet yeah, this she's, lady. <laughs> she's um, she always makes me want to be a better person. I'm just a better man. Yeah. Um, she she sees man. me like she she can yeah. she sees through me if, if that makes yeah. sense. She sees yeah. me. She knows me better than than myself. Yeah. You can be you can be real with her to you know you you yeah. are who you are and she loves you for all the all the good the bad and the ugly yeah and isn't that what it's a wonderful well, she thing she did see the good it. bad and the ugly when I was going through it <laughs> yeah. I bet yeah but you yeah. know that's well, just all my cares of having to know I couldn't oh, actually this time wasn't as, as yeah. bad so I lost basically up to my elbows um, into my knees this time so yeah. I still had function in my you know basically my hips it wasn't as bad but. Um, it was still GBS, and, and it still, still took, very it still took six to seven months before I could actually. Yes, you're still be, just coming out the other end of this. Depending on myself, yeah. Right, um, uh, we're going to wrap up now, uh, Fats. Uh, what's some message? You know, like there's a couple of good messages that have come out of today's thing. Like as a as a young Maori, you know, 
man, you faced us with amazing strength and yep. the, the, the wisdom that you are beyond your years. I mean, what are you now? 29, 20, yep. 30, 29, uh, 29, turning 30. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wisdom beyond your years because of what you've been through. And that is going to help so many people in your career and what you, mm. what you do. And I'm very excited as is, I know Stephen is to see where you go in life because you know, the power and the money that you already have, now because of what you've experienced and your openness and your thing, I just think it's fantastic. Um, and you're going to really be empowering lots of other people going through. And this is probably, you know, your life's calling, you know, is to help people and to do this and to share your story. You know, I think it's important. So this is hopefully the first time you'll share it and won't be the last. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my take home message after everything that I've been through with everything and all the people that I met and then I had my wife and, Stephen, everyone inclusive, my family. I think the biggest thing for me would be, um, I think I'll probably look at it as time of the kind of leader that I want to be like. Um, So it's really, as I said before, it's being able to understand and having that perception of others, you know, never worrying, never caring about the perception of myself. You'll never, if if you can understand the perception of others you'll have you always have an empathetic point of view on life yeah you'll be able to actually stand in their feet stand in their shoes sorry and then understand try and understand what they're going through instead of a sympathetic point in life because at a point when you can become too sympathetic you end up feeling sorry for them and then that's not going to help them at all yeah Yeah. so i always rather try to be empathetic in life than sympathetic yep um so that's the kind of leader that i want to be like and that's what i want to you're well on your way to doing that mate and um you have a lot of money you can see it it just comes out through the screen (laughs) so thank you very much for sharing so openly and honestly today your journey because it is empowering to other people um who are going through difficult times and and this is you know part of the the job of the show is to educate people around you know health and fitness and the latest science and the latest stuff um but also to make us understand like we're all human and we all have these feelings and we can get through tough times um strategies and tools to do that and you obviously found a few along Mm. the way um so i wish you well and you know um uh be excited to see where you go mate and uh, (laughs) (laughs) any last words any last words before we we Um, sign off hakuna matata (laughs) (laughs) he's not even Maori that's not even (laughs) Maori love it thanks thanks man that's it this week for pushing the limits be sure to rate review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com 